know that I want to make sure we have all the time we need for people to do their presentations today. So first thing, if this umbrella belongs to you, um, if so, Marla has some eyeglasses that are also belong to you as well. So. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to seeing your artwork and seeing the images that Judith presented today. So we're going to do some text today, but we're going to do, do it in a slightly different way. But just briefly to review, we talked about desert last week particularly, um, as Sam knows, on the edge of wilderness. Certain, you come to an edge of one scenery, and then desert begins. It's a place that distorts and clarifies vision in a different way than when we're looking at mountains, at that home where you like look up and see something. It's how you see things in the desert might be different. Um, for the book of Bamidbar in the desert, the entire book of desert activities, the things that go on in the desert, and you may want to start to continue to think about as you know we're reading narratives like this week is the donkey that speaks and all kinds of funky things happen in the desert in the Torah. But as this place where uh, several things happen, where that entire generation sinks into the sand. And, we, and 38 years go by of an entire generation sinking into the sand basically quietly. It's invisible. We don't hear about those 38 years going on. We go in the Torah from year two to, to the 39th year. So there's a certain quiet and invisible way in which the, the desert absorbs in silence this entire generation of what's called Dor Hamidbar, the, the desert generation, those people who came out of Egypt, who stood on the edge, who went in, who had all these powerful experiences, and then fall into the sand. The Midbar absorbs them silently. Um, but then that other, I think, really important play on the word midbar is the word midaber. It is a place where speaking occurs, certain kinds of talking occur. God speaks to Moses, take your shoes off, you're going back to Egypt, where God takes the people and speaks to them from a mountain, where the people create, which we're not talking about this year, a mishkan, a place where God can speak and relate to them, right? where certain prophecies are said. And you do want to look this week at the the Parsha, Parshat Balak, because it's this donkey and this prophet who stands on a hill up above and looks out at the people and says, Matovu Ohalecha Yaakov. It's the only positive statement about the Jewish people in the whole book of Bamibar comes from a non-Jew. It's like you need an outsider to notice your good quality. It's very, you feel very Jewish, like, yeah, we can't say good stuff about ourselves. Somebody notices something, Matovu Ohalecha, but it's this place where lots of language, where Moses is, is giving these prophecies. It's a place of dibur, of speaking, and where the people are have to prepare themselves, the next generation, to have this relationship with God. Um, and, um, and I think that is, in some ways, a very interesting contrast to this midbar that absorbs 600,000 people, is that the place of dibur, ein midbar ela dibur. The bigger message for that, I think, is, which we didn't get to, but I want to emphasize again as we move forward, because it applies for all these landscapes, is the capacity of desert, and <clears throat> how do we make Ein Midbar Ela Dibur, is the capacity for us to have a silent, empty place, a place that is a seemingly empty, as Philip said, deserts are not empty at all, places where light and things refract, 
where is an empty place from which speech can come. Okay. The rabbis make a big deal about why is the Torah given in the desert. There's beautiful midrashim. You often, rabbis also teach them on Shavuot. There's no boundaries. The Torah is limitless, and so it's given in the desert. It's there for all people. They sort of talk about this open expansiveness of the desert as being the place <clears throat> that if God had given the Torah in Jerusalem or in Egypt or some other place, people could have claimed it and said it's ours. There's sort of this emptiness of space that makes the language possible. I think for all of us, that thinking about to what extent do we create a void in ourselves to create speech, speech, real speech, speech through art, through communication, in those ways. Ein midbar eladibor. So we have, so desert provide us with, I think, some really big ideas about um, finding truth, wisdom, spirituality, if you want to call it that, artistic process, all these different things. That desert is a, is a really interesting place. And it is not an accident, which is something we also did not talk about, that Moses isn't the only one who has his, his revelation, his first experience of God in the desert. Um, Elijah goes out to the desert, has to go out to the desert, and he is on the same mountain, and God speaks to him, and he has that. And in the New Testament, it's also Jesus who goes out into the desert, and that's where Jesus also comes to have an understanding of what his mission is going to be. So in this place of silence, because that one would say about the desert, it's a quiet place. There may be life going on, but it's a quiet place. Right? Um, that speech um, rises up. So, desert. Now we're going to move on. Forests. Now, how many, how many of you think of Israel as a highly forested place? What, generally, if I, well, I'm sorry, generally, if I think of like, what is the color of the landscape of Israel? Let me try that. Brown. What is the color of the landscape of Colorado? Oh, brown and green. So what is the color of the landscape of northern Wisconsin? Green. Green, green right. unless it's white. It's white all over. <laughs> the white makes it green. I have to go. You know, that's, her home, that's, my, that's my partner's home state, so we always have all eyes look north, you know, so we have to like, but people, some people pray facing east, you have to also face north, you know. It's, yeah. Facing Wisconsin. My favorite place. So, but... Um, I remember once being um, in one of these Israel experiences, and we're out in the desert, and they said, go sit out there. Everybody go sit by themselves and have some kind of you know, experience. Everybody came back, and I was so moved. I'm going like, it doesn't, that landscape doesn't speak to me. I go, well, why? I go, because when I close my eyes, the landscape that speaks to me is Wisconsin. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a forest or a tree or summer camp, you know, that kind of. So in that way, I want to say the following. Of all of the landscapes that we're talking about, Forest, in some profound ways, is not the most, most, most essential Israel biblical landscape. There are forests in Israel. We're going to go around and we're going to look at places, and it, it is forested somewhat. But I wouldn't. I, it's not like the number on my list. It's like the essential landscape feature of the land of Israel is not forest. To, but I want to draw a line because when I want to talk about forest from a contemporary perspective in Israel. What I want to do first, though, you can see there are lots and lots of quotations and places we're going to look. Instead of me calling out a page and us doing this, I want to basically start, and everybody just pick one. Just I'm gonna, sort of like go down, everyone take one. And look it up. And we'll hope, and don't everybody, not, don't everybody do the first one. Somebody, uh, let me say the following. From Rhonda on this side, start from the bottom of the list and go up. And you guys start from the top and go down. We're going to make this work. 
I don't want to whisper. I don't want to walk around and assign them. All right, never mind. I'm going to sign it. Marla, King 7 2. Lois, Kings 10 27. Not, Psalm 92, Barbara. Sam, Psalm 29. Brenda, Psalm 104, please. Now, Rhonda, Psalm 50 10. Sylvia, Psalm 104 20. Arlen, Isaiah 56 9. Phil, Jeremiah. 5-6. Netya. Micha. I have a son by the name. I love this. 5-8. Trudy. Zachariah. 11. Sandy. 1 Samuel. Sylvia, you got two. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. Judy. Isaiah 41, 19 and 44. They're close by. Judy got Isaiah 37. Okay, has everybody got one? Everyone should notice that there's nothing in Bereshit on this list. There's no Genesis, Shemot, right? None of the great narratives take place in any woods. So even just, just looking at the roster is going to lead us. Samuel is historical. Just the roster is going to lead us to some... We're going to go there. We're going there. That's exactly where we're going, Tandy. Just get your corn and eyeball. Okay. Are we doing that? I'm going to. Just us to cut. Yeah. I forgot I could do that last